and and the best effort you get from people is when you respect you know what's important to them and what works for them and right. you know the pandemic has taught us that some people um, perform better remotely for whatever reason whatever yeah. you know it can be their family circumstance circumstances sure. their own personality whatever you know and if you've got a talented employee that's high performing remotely why would you force them back in why would you say you have to fit this model we need to see you at your desk This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today I'm joined by Elizabeth Osler, CEO and Executive Director of the Law Society of Alberta. I'm excited to talk about leading workplaces and creating culture in challenging environments. Welcome Liz. Thanks Heather, happy to be here. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself and about the Law Society? Um, I joined the Law Society in 2012, and uh, as the Director of Regulation, uh, I then moved on to the role of Deputy Executive Director about three or four months after that, and then became CEO and Executive Director January 1st of 2019. Uh, Before that, I'd had some roles in-house. I'd been at the uh, University of Calgary, where I'd been Associate General Counsel and University Secretary. Prior to that, I was at the Alberta Securities Commission where I was uh, Corporate Counsel and Corporate Secretary. And then before that, I was a Securities Law Associate at McCarthy Tatro LLP, um, where I was a summer student, articling student and associate and and left just before um, the last rung on the ladder. Well, that's kind of a, a fun little career. You've uh, you've certainly tried out a lot of, uh, worn a lot of different hats and seen a lot of different uh, workplaces and seen a lot of different challenges, I'm sure, along the way. So talking about challenging workplaces or challenges generally, obviously, as we look back on last year, we know that no one and no organization has escaped 2020 unscathed. Many organizations had to very suddenly and dramatically change the way that they worked or that they provided their their services or their products in about March of of 2020, obviously with the onset of the work from home mandates. What did that look like for the Law Society? It's a great question. We we did not have a plan uh, in hand for going remote at all. Um, And in fact, the Sunday that we decided, that Sunday of that week that we decided that we were going to go home, like a lot of places, we thought, oh, we'll be home maybe for a week or something. So we just had no certainty about what this was going to look like. But we very quickly determined that this was going to be longer term. And by Thursday of that first week, we had all of our employees working remotely. We have about a hundred and uh, 
55 employees at the Law Society. And uh, everyone transitioned really smoothly. Uh, we had great support from our internal office services and business technology teams, and they just had everyone up and running uh, almost immediately. So, you know, that was pure luck rather than, you know, thoughtful planning ahead of time. Was that a surprise to you that it took basically kind of four business days to completely turn your work environment on its head? And and as you said, it was relatively smooth. Um, I'm sure there were some hiccups along the way, but for the most part, people were able to kind of carry on and do their job. Did that surprise you that you, without a plan, were able to really pivot that quickly? You know, yes and no. Um, yes, in that, you know, it seemed so unlikely that it would go smoothly, given those, you know, given the fact that there wasn't a plan in place. But we have, we've spent a lot of time over the last eight or so years working on our work culture and creating an environment where our teams really uh, work well together. We do a lot of cross-training. Um, there's collaboration at every level. And so I really think that our success through the whole pandemic so far has been down entirely to the investment we made in our work culture. Mm. Uh, because our people just were willing to, uh, you know, it's a two-way street. They were willing to trust us that it was all gonna be okay in this new sort of uncertain environment. And we were able to trust them that they were just gonna adapt and continue to do great work. Um, and, it, and it's an interesting transformation, I think, for the leadership team, because I, I think it's safe to say that we were, you know, amongst us, amongst the executive leadership team, we were divided in terms of our comfort level but I can say that pretty short order, we all came to realize that the work was getting delivered as well, if not um, better than it had been before. And so we could really rest easy and just uh, focus then on returning to um, our strategic and policy work. Um, and of course our regular operations to keep everything moving. So. 2020 for us was a year where we uh, we did all of the strategic work that we had planned. Uh, we took on new strategic work that wasn't planned, um, and we uh, had some things that we introduced uh, directly in response to the pandemic um, work that the ventures did to um, alleviate some of the uh, pressure on the profession. So 2020 for us was uh, was really a remarkable year, you know, and as we head into 2021, it'll be different again, because at some point we're going to transition back in, uh, right. which is, you know, what's really on the leadership team's mind now. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, uh, the transition back in will be much harder than right. the transition out. And, and the question, I think, for us as a leadership team, which is I think the same for any leadership team is, is how do you maintain the momentum and the comfort level of your workforce and achieving their goals and getting their work done as you transition back again, knowing that probably we're gonna have, uh, our workforce is gonna look different. You know, that's just a really um, an interesting thing, I think, to sort of navigate. And so we've we've already started, even though, you know, being physically in our offices is still a ways away. Uh, we're already working hard on on mapping out how we uh, transition. 
Interesting. I want to I want to dive into that just just a little bit. A, a couple of observations that um, just to respond, I think, to a couple of the points that, that you've said, um, where you know because you've had, you had worked so hard for the last eight or so years on on process and on on making sure that you've paid attention to your workforce and and really cementing a, a productive work culture. And the fact that you've had that culture and that that mindset, you were able to really kind of pick up on the momentum and, and people could adapt because they knew that um, this wasn't all that different from from what uh, from a culture perspective you had you had put in place. And people could trust that they, I assume, could come to you and say, hey, like this isn't working or I need some support or we need to think about how we're going to deliver something in a, in a different way. I certainly have, have noticed that. Um, with a number of clients, not not all in in law or in the legal profession, but many of the entrepreneurial clients that I I deal with in my practice have commented on similar things that they were able once they got their head around the fact that this wasn't just a week or two kind of you know uh, out of office thing, but that this was going to be a more permanent arrangement. They were able to really focus on how are we going to continue to provide our our services or our products in this remote environment. And really just um, trust the the culture and the and the framework that they had sort of laid in place. Whereas organizations that maybe were a bit newer or that didn't have maybe they had a transition in their leadership team and they didn't have that solid base, I think struggled a little bit more out of the gate to try to implement and and really reinforce what their culture is before they could then really move forward. So it's interesting that you've noticed that in a in a pretty, you know, regu- regulated type of, of work that you do that uh, that it, it still matters. So I thought that was an, a really interesting point and very consistent with what I've, I've seen from, from many of my entrepreneurs as well. I wanted to ask you about, about 2020, obviously the, you know, the, the highlight was highlight or low light, I guess, depending on how you look at it, was the pandemic. But there were other things in 2020 that were a bit unusual or exceptional from what we've seen in, in other years, some of the social factors, um, some of the, the movements that we saw in the spring. And I wondered the, if you had some comments on the combination of, you know, unusual factors that all arrived in 2020, what what those have done, the, the aggregate of those have done to the acceleration of adoption of some working norms or a, a shift in uh, social policies or procedures and the response that organizations have, have taken. Did, did, do you think that, that any of those factors have led to certain practices being more or less re- received by organizations? And if so, do you think that that will carry on into 2021? Yeah, I think for us, all of the things that have been happening this year, um, as you mentioned, obviously, there wasn't just the pandemic, but there were a lot of other um, social issues that were swirling around. For us, that allowed us to speed up some of our conversations around our strategic work. Some of our strategic work is around uh, lawyer competence and wellness and equity, diversity and inclusion. And so having that be more of a mainstream conversation allowed us, I think, to move right. our work along more quickly than probably we otherwise would have. And I think I think for a lot of boards uh, and the Law Society ventures are no different is, you know, working in a virtual environment, in a sense, you know, sped up that decision making. I found that there was a greater level of comfort in terms of moving things along a little bit more quickly than traditionally we would have done. 
and we really benefited from that. Can you can you give an example of of, of that? Like, I think about maybe some boards or some organizations that might have a let's say a, a year or two kind of decision pathway. What what do you like? What kind of acceleration or how have you seen them able to maybe get comfortable with a concept uh, in a in a shorter time frame or in a different in a different way perhaps? Like, is it through the adoption of technology? Is that is that kind of what you mean to to connect or? or to share documents or what do you mean by that? I think just that, I think that virtual meeting platform and the ability to meet sort of quickly and as needed gave us the ability um, to be a little, to pivot a bit more in some of our decision-making. For example, we had, uh, we changed our approach to how we were doing our budget because we were anticipating the impact of the pandemic on the profession and wanting to be as responsive as we could be with that. And so that was something we did, you know, very quickly. The ventures were very responsive to that. And we did some really great work in that, which has resulted in us in 2021 being able to reduce the practice fee by 10%. So love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. And, uh, it just gave us that flexibility, I think, yeah. to, to gather together um, as needed instead mm-hmm. of, you know, being a slave to our traditional meeting schedule structure and uh, pros and cons of uh, meeting virtually versus meeting in person. There's obviously something that gets lost um, not being able to gather in person because um, part of what makes a, a board function really well is those relationships that uh, board members can develop with one another, uh, their level of comfort and trust and feeling like it's a safe space to share their opinions and to contribute. Um, And so I was curious, you know, entering this pandemic time, whether we would see sort of a decrease in in the level of engagement because people Mm. maybe feel a little uncomfortable Right. Virtual format and and maybe would sort of hold back. But truly, it was the opposite that I I think our board um, through the pandemic was really engaged. Um, We had, I would say, greater um, levels of participation in the year than uh, than maybe we've had previously. So I think um, I think they adapted really well and it just gave the staff. Uh, the flexibility to, you know, move their work along at a, at a steady pace, which, which yeah. then I think, you know, just really contributes again to that work culture piece, because if your people, if you're freeing people up to do the work that they're excited about and that they're passionate about, um, they're going to work really hard for you. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I agree with you, I think, and certainly my experience on some boards this year has been, it, it seems that it's easier to get people together and perhaps we meet for, you know, an hour or two as opposed to a full day. Like we might have more frequent but shorter meetings, um, but people can sort of focus for the, the hour or two on, on the particular issue. And and perhaps it's a it's a point of, OK, well, now we need to go away and do a little bit of homework and think about this and, and then sort of reconvene. Um, whereas sometimes in the in the old model, you would meet for, you know, two or three days straight. And then at the end of it, you'd be like. So did we did we decide something like it's hard to sort of, you know, uh, come out with with you've had a lot of discussions and you've had a lot of exploration about topics, but perhaps the 
you know, start to finish it, it isn't as, as concrete because I think we just focus differently um, in, a, in a virtual world. And as you say, there are absolutely some, some pros and cons. But I, I would say what my observation <clears throat> and certainly what I've seen um, with, with my clients is that I think some of these, these things that 2020 brought to us forced us to adopt technology as a solution or as a as a working tool at a at a much accelerated pace, um, I know I we had a, a guest on our our podcast who is in the retail business and they said you know the acceleration of platforms to allow you know at home shopping and online um, selections really has accelerated probably about ten years so we've gained probably about ten years worth of of time just through being forced to think about how to to do things differently. What do you think will remain once, as you, as you talked about sort of this reintegration and what that's going to look like, and I want to pick up on that in a moment, but what do you think will stay uh, post-pandemic when we are theoretically allowed to gather in places? Will we still rely on some of these technology tools and on the alternate um, work environments like remote working, do you think that some of those things will stick around or, or are we in a temporary bubble that again will completely shift once we're physically allowed to, to gather again? Oh, I, I think it has permanently shifted. I think, um, yeah, I think the whole world is pivoting um, and I think leaders need to embrace that and figure out what our definitions of success look like in this new world. You know, we want our teams to give us everything they have, but in order for them to do that, they need that work-life balance. And what the pandemic's given us, I think, is, as leaders is a true appreciation uh, that we, we haven't just gotten to know one another as colleagues or as, you know, as between staff and, and in our case, ventures. We've gotten to know one another as individuals because this virtual environment allows people to see, uh, you know, you see your colleagues, spouses or children, you know, come into videos, you know, you see the pets appear, you know, right. walking across people's yes. desks, whatever it is. Right. Um, and I think that's just created, I think, for our leadership teams, just a greater sense of who our employees are as people and what matters to them and what, and, and what they care about. Um, and I just think that we all have, you know, going into the pandemic, we all, I think, had a very traditional view of what a workforce looks like. And I think as a leader, I think you have to say to yourself, well, how has it changed and what you know, what is, what are the changes that are temporary? What are the changes that are permanent? And, you know, and at the board level, that's the challenge for a board to sort of work through that. You know, for us, some of the decisions of the ventures made was to do things as pilot for a period of time because we couldn't see, you know, what the end game was. And so, you know, we just, we took the position that we'll, we'll exercise some caution, try some things out as pilots. And so that we can uh, very deliberately assess how it's gone and whether, in fact, it's something that we need to continue with. Um, or, or refine it, perhaps, right? Like if the pilot... Or refine it, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and, I, and I think that as the regulator, it's a, you know, historically a pretty traditional work environment, much like a law firm environment. And I just think we need to uh, let go of sort of the comfort of the familiar 
And I think we need to see the pandemic as a as an opportunity to embrace, uh, you know, new working arrangements. And I think, you know, there's a very traditional view, I think, that would say, well, people can either opt in or opt out because we're, we're going back to the way it's always been. Right. Uh, and, you know, people like it, they can come back. And if they don't, they can go find work somewhere else. And I just think, you know, for a leader to come at it like that to me is just missing the boat because right. why would you lose talented people just because they don't want to fit exactly in the traditional model of what your workspace looks like? Right. right. And, and, and how do you maintain the integration of maybe the folks who have chosen to work remotely and those who are still in the office and how do they still you know, get the same benefit and the same opportunities. And, and you know, I think it's, it's also interesting when you, when you made the comment about how going forward, there's no doubt that the, that the picture will look a little bit different. I also think that there's no doubt that, that workforces generally are going to be less tolerant of, you know, oh, I have a really bad cold. I'm going to come to work for the next four days. Well, we've kind of all proven that we can work at home when we have a cold. So I think that some of those work, you know, those, those, the culture around sort of tolerance for, well, you should probably be at home today. People, I, I think that will be decreased as well. And that will also fit into the question of, of the culture is, okay, when so-and-so is working at home for three or four days, because they're, you know, a little bit under the weather, how do we not lose the in- integration? How do we not lose the input from these folks um, who are still perhaps able to contribute um, in, in just a bit of a different way. And so I think it is a really interesting and important question. Um, obviously, you know, going back to one of your earlier comments when you said, well, we didn't have a plan, the pandemic happened and we didn't really have a plan. I think that that was the case for lots of organizations. People will need to have a plan on the reintegration. You might not have had a plan when we had to leave the office, but people have a very deliberate opportunity to make a plan. And perhaps much like like the last several months of the pandemic have been, that plan is going to need to continue to evolve as your workforce evolves and as some of those culture um, imperatives really become solidified within within the teams that, that you're working in. Would you um, would you recommend the let's not have a plan um, approach? Because it kind of seemed to work for you for the law society when you had to leave the office. What do you think? That, what do you think that mindset? What will it do to that mindset for, for leaders around planning? Our work culture saved us. You know, the, oh, we were able to withstand not planning for a pandemic because we had just such an exceptionally strong work culture. The yeah, that's great. So it saved us. Um, and we've reflected on that all the way through that um, it's that culture that's made this work. I cannot imagine as a leader, if you have a poor wall work culture and you're trying to navigate this pandemic. I, yeah. I can't imagine, imagine yeah. it. And our employees have talked to us um, constantly about how much that work culture has meant to them and oh, interesting. how it's, it's made them, you know, feel safe. It's made them want to do their absolute best um, to continue to work really hard for us. And so there's this, there's a huge amount of uh, trust and uh, respect as between us and you know we we really focused in on uh, maintaining that culture during this we we really spent we invested a lot of time you know sometimes just fun things to try to sort of maintain the culture uh we had this one thing that we did which 
was fun. We called it Skype roulette where uh, <laughs> everyone signed up and then you'd randomly get matched up with someone in the organization. It could oh, be fun. anyone and you just have a quick visit. So it's oh, nice. like a virtual, you know, water cooler conversation and right. we did that. And so, you know, what we've seen is, is that that has led to, you know, more friendships, uh, but most importantly, from a leadership perspective, is I think it really facilitated even more collaboration between oh, individuals and between teams, because people just got to know one another a bit better. Um, the other thing we really focused on, and we, we talked about this the night we decided that we were shutting the office down, uh, in the first instance, we talked about the importance of communication, that we were going to communicate uh, constantly to the staff through this. Uh, mm. And we were going to be very transparent about our decision making so that when we made decisions, we let them know we made the decision and we'd explain why we made the decision. Um, right. Because, you know, we've made decisions through this that, you know, there's probably some people haven't been uh, that thrilled with some of them, but they respect them, you know, and because and they understand, because yeah. they understand. Yeah. And so we have uh, for the first, I think it was about the first 10 weeks that we were out. Uh, I sent out a note to the staff at the end of, or mid afternoon every day. Oh, wow. We did that for the first 10 weeks. Then we reduced it to three times a week and now it's two times a week. So that's a note that we send out everyone you know it includes uh, updates on work that's being done within the organization so that people understand you know what's happening there's a lot of HR stuff that's in there in terms right. of um, things that people need to know there's all that social interaction stuff that we include in there there's always a wellness piece there's usually some sort of a CPD piece you know maybe it includes a you know, a TED talk, and there's usually a hats off section where we're saluting a team or an individual for an outstanding effort. And, and so we've done that all the way through. And then whenever there are decisions made, um, you know, we have town halls to virtual town halls to let everyone know, but then we also repeat the information and these, these daily notes and that kind of thing. So we've, we've really, you know, right out of the gate committed to you know, investing a lot of our energy into communication. And I think that's, that's just been really great um, because, you know, it's sort of, I think, leading by example, because then yes. I think what it does is it encourages our, our manager teams to, to do the same, right. To make sure right. that they're doing a good job communicating and making sure people understand, you know, why things are happening or, you know, what needs to be done or whatever. And so uh, I think that investment in communication sort of right out of the gate has just carried through throughout the organization. And, and I think people feel, um, they feel very comfortable, I think, and they feel very well informed, despite the enormous uncertainty of everything that's going on around them. You know, and, because, and the fact that it keeps changing. And the fact that it keeps changing. And, you know, and what I think as leaders um, you have to remember is that, uh, you know, yeah, okay, there's this pandemic going on, but life's still going on, That's right. right? So people right. are still having uh, things happen uh, in their lives that they're having to deal with. And I think it's that. So the last thing I guess we, we talked about as a team was about caring, was about mm -hmm. being empathetic and being tuned in 
ourselves and our managers and, and as an organization, really trying to be tuned in with one another so that um, we didn't just have our eyes on the pandemic, that we were taking a much bigger view of, of how we work together and how we can support one another to do the work we need to do. Yeah, that's great. And, and you know what I really like about that is obviously, you know, you, you, you started out on a very, very frequent um, schedule of providing updates because, you know, there was probably very frequent things that were changing and, th- and that frequency was good. And then as time went on, you could reduce it a little bit, but still stay in very regular contact with, with your staff. But what that also has done is, is as you move back into this reintegration and thinking about what the workplace will look like and thinking about what people's role, whether it's, you know, physically in the office or not, or all of those things, you now have this precedent, you now have the availability to just continually communicate and then also get the feedback um, from from people about, oh, well, maybe this won't work or whatever. And then you can you can absorb that and, and then, you know, pivot if you need to. Um, to move forward. So I think that's such a great uh, way, number one, to show that you care about your employees. You you are showing that you're um, communicating with them, you're soliciting their input and, and adjusting if you need to, adjusting as different uh, things happen in the pandemic that affect all of us, and then really stay in touch. And people people grow to rely on, okay, I know that it's Friday and I'm going to get an update at, you know, four o'clock or whatever. And I know I have an opportunity to ask my questions. I can participate in a, in a town hall where sometimes I think in the, in the physical world, if you, you know, if you had a client meeting or something at the time that the town hall was happening, you just missed it. You couldn't, you know, look at the recording later or you couldn't get a synopsis of it. You just were either there or you weren't. And so I think people's ability to really stay in touch with leadership and with other colleagues in their in their organization has increased because of some of the platforms and the ways that we're uh, that we're staying in touch and I think that will have a lasting I hope it will have a lasting impact um, in a permanent fashion post-pandemic to people's ways to stay in touch with each other and to stay in touch with with the culture and then to shape the culture of the organization for what what works for particular teams and and the organization as a whole. So I think it's very insightful to note that nobody chose to leave the organization when the or like to leave the workplace when uh, the pandemic happened, but we all will very deliberately choose how and when and and I guess why to re-engage and what that will look like and I think it, it's a big a big thing that, that leaders need to be spending some time on because it will be different for each organization and there's lots of opportunities with things that have worked well in during the pandemic to to continue some of those and to you know to increase or to accelerate the rate that people are uh, interacting or collaborating or and showing that they that they care so well done yeah i think it's thank you i think it's you know i think leaders you know, in a pandemic, just have to be really so much more deliberate and intentional right. than than they've ever had to be before. And and recognizing too, you know, when you look at your teams that, you know, I think it's easy sometimes to think just because someone's in a leadership position that they're just gonna, you know, be able to figure it all out. But but I think what you have to have an awareness too is that those very same managers who are leading teams may be having their own struggles. So, I mean, you know, as an executive leadership team, I, I think it's been great for us because I think it, it really required all of us to up our game on, on how deliberately we approach our own um, leadership and, and that of the teams that report to us. So I think it's been a real, um, a growth, you know, a growth experience in terms of leadership skills across the organization. And we've just seen, 
we've just seen such great growth uh, in so many areas. And it's been fun to watch people really just step into this sort of crazy new world and, uh, and do such a great job. And, and so yeah. it's, it's, it's been a pretty, you know, what should have maybe been just this really hard year of leading an organization really ended up being quite honestly um, pretty fun. You know, I mean, it was, there was so much to be proud of with the work people did. And as I said at the beginning, you know, we, we did all of our strategic work. We took on more strategic work. We, we embraced our, you know, entrepreneurial sort of spirit, which is what we come to with all of our strategic work. And 2021 is no different. Uh, we've, you know, the work we've set out for us in 2021 is very ambitious, but I have no doubt that we'll, yeah, that we'll do it. And, and, and at some point in the middle of all that, we'll be navigating, you know, a transition, you know, back in, you know, the in out, whatever it is. And, and, and maybe not just once, right? Like maybe things will continue to change. We'll still have to continue to adapt and, and evolve as, as the conditions around us uh, uh, morph and as that vaccine rolls out and we'll have to kind of play that by ear. This has been fascinating, Liz. I really appreciate you taking time today to talk about the, the great culture. First of all, the Law Society as a lawyer, that makes me happy to know that. And also about the great leadership that you've provided for your teams to allow them to continue to do the work. And as you say, the, the insight um, to know that we will need to be very deliberate about how we choose to reintegrate when that's possible and when that's safe and um, taking care of our staff and our, our workplaces and recognizing that much of of the the what might have seemed to be temporary is permanent and we just need to you know get on with it and and, and adapt so thank you again for taking time to uh, to chat with me today thanks for having me heather appreciate it thank you for joining the podcast today if you like the podcast don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update